Well, click, click, get ready for your Kodak moment. Welcome to One on One, a Bluff City Media podcast. Listen in as we go one-on-one with coaches, players, and influencers from across the city of Memphis and around the country. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of One-on-One. This week, my guest is Memphis guard Javon Quinterly. JQ, what's up, man? My guy, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So you've been in town since Monday. What's the first week been like so far? Well, it's, been, it's been good. You know, I've been getting settled in. Uh, you know, getting to meet the guys, getting accustomed with the the coaching staff and things of that nature, and you know, it's going it's going well so far. So let's talk about the recruitment process because you did enter the portal a little bit late. Obviously, mm-hmm. still a lot of teams got involved. Who was kind of up there in the running for you with Memphis? Um, it was Seton Hall uh, and Kansas State for the most part. And what did it come down to relationship with Penny, playing time? Yeah, it came down to um, you know PM, me and Penny's relationship. Uh, you know we. We go way back from he coached me in Colorado Springs back in 2018. I played uh, for USA Basketball. I was trying out for Hoop Summit, USA Basketball. Um, And, you know, I done played against Team Penny probably like 10 times. So we we go way back and, you know, we kind of have some history. And, and, you know, I like the vibe when I I got to, you know, come in and talk to him one-on-one. And, you know, that's pretty much a big – that was a big pro in me making my decision. So when it comes to leaving Alabama, what went into that into that decision? Why was it the the best choice for you to go ahead and leave Alabama? Um, it was definitely tough, you know. I've done some great things at Bama. We've done some great things there. Um, you know, I've won the last four out of six SEC championships. Um, I just felt like it was time for me. I needed a change, and you know, a lot of people didn't really understand that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's my life, it's my career, and I'm gonna do you know, what I feel is best for me. And I felt like I needed change, so. Um, but Bama, I love Bama at the end of the day. I'm a Bama graduate. It's always going to be family to me. So let's talk about the backcourt a little bit because last year you had yourself, Jaden Bradley, Mark Sears. It was kind of crowded as far as point guard position went. You come here, it's you and Jalen Young. Mm-hmm. What's what's I guess what's the difference in that? Because it was kind of a log jam, and now it's like you're the clear favorite, the clear number one to be the team's starting point guard. Not that you're shying away from competition. That's not what I'm saying at all. Mm. But what's it like going from a situation where the minutes are a little bit different because you know you have talent at the position. I mean, yeah. Jaden's a five-star, Mark, very productive, yourself very productive, to somewhere where you kind of do have more of a clear path to like I know what the minutes are going to look like, I know what the system's going to look like, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, one thing first and foremost, I've never been the type of player to run from competition. No, you can't be a, you can't be a collegiate athlete and, and shy away from like competition. never. Like when I was seeing those things, I was just laughing at it. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, you know, I was just coming off the ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big thing for me. Um, a big thing in my rehab process was like bringing me on slowly. You know, um, you know, I got back from ACL injury in eight months. Yeah, that's like kind of unheard of. You got like dudes like Jamal Murray, Jonathan Isaac, two year, two right. year missed recovery. Missed a whole season. Yeah, missed a whole season. So, you know, I bust my behind to get back, and I was just so antsy to get back on the floor. You know, when you tell your ACL, you sit down for about three, four months. Right. And like, you can't do anything. You need help with everything, getting to the car, taking a shower, all the, all those type of things, little things. So I was just so antsy, and you know, when when Dr. King, shout out to Dr. King who who did my ACL reconstruction, you know, he did an amazing job. Um, when he cleared me, 
I kind of, I didn't jump the gun because I got cleared, but I could have still kind of, you know, waited a little bit longer, maybe like a week or two, even three, three weeks, just so that I could have got comfortable playing on, playing on it. Um, I felt like I was ready and I kind of, you know, I was, I was anti to play. Yeah. Cause I wanted to play and I wanted to help the team. Um, it just took me some time to get comfortable, you know? I think my third game back from the ACL, we played North Carolina. I played like 48 minutes. Yeah. And, man, it was crazy because the way I felt after that game, I never felt like my body. Just wise. like sore, yeah, tight. Yeah, sore. I never felt anything like it. So, you know, it was an adjustment period that I had to make. I had to, you know, really start taking my rehab serious. And, you know, I have been. You know, Bama's helped me a lot with that. Uh, we had a great trainer. Shout out to Clark Holter. Um, that's my guy. But, yeah, I was never the type to run from comp. And I feel like, you know, even though we had three three good guards last year, like, we were all interchangeable. Right. Um, like, towards the end of the season, I started to start. And that's because Jaden Bradley went to, to Oats and was like, I feel like, you know, Javon, Javon should be starting right now. And, you know, that's another thing. You don't really see that no, a lot in college basketball, you know. But that's just the type of culture that we had at Bama, we have at Bama or – we had at Bama, and um, that's just kind of how that thing was. You know, they just kind of wanted to string me along a little bit slower. So that's kind of why my minutes were, you know, a little bit lower last year. What was the difference between, like, the beginning of the season and then end of the season, SEC tournament, NCAA tournament? Like, just in your body, the way you felt mm -hmm. playing those heavy minutes and stuff like that? It was a mental thing. Uh, I think anybody who ha has had a major injury will say it's so much mental more than physical. Um you know, physically I was ready to go, but mentally I was, like, a little bit scared to yeah. go sometimes, you know? Playing very uh, cautious, and, you know, it's kind of, in the beginning I was kind of, like, trying to change my game. It was weird, but I got to a point, like, mid-season where I was just like, you know what, if I if I tear my ACL again, it is what it yeah. is, you know? And <laughs> Been I just, through it once. I stopped thinking about it, and I just start hooping, and, um, you know, that's kind of when things changed change for me person my personal play towards the towards the end of the season so what's the the confidence level overall not just in the knee but just confidence level overall going into this season new team uh overall like I mean I'm sure you know this but really only one returning player from last year's roster I know that doesn't really mean anything to you because you weren't here last year but just a completely new team new city new environment what's the overall confidence level like for you oh it's very high I feel like Last season, I was probably like 80, 85% most of the year. That's mm -hmm. just me being honest. And I don't even speak on these things because I just, I don't like, I don't like people trying to look at it as a, it's an excuse. Right, people you saying you're I'm making saying? excuses for So you. I don't really talk about things like this, but um, I definitely feel like now I'm 100, I'm 100, I'm back to 100. So my confidence is, you know, kind of through the roof. And I also, I believe in, you know, the team that we, we brought in. To Memphis, like Jordan Brown, I played with him before McDonald's All American game. Like he's probably one of the most skilled bigs, you know, I've seen or was in my class. And just man, the guys that we brought in, J uh, Jaquan Walton, um, you know, we get DeAndre Williams back. Like I just believe in the pieces that we bringing in, yeah. and I, I feel like the confidence is, is through the roof. So this, is, I talked to Jonathan Pierre a couple weeks ago, and we talked about like building the chemistry with a new team and what what's that like because most of you guys haven't played together or haven't played 
together before in this first week. And I know obviously early it's, you still got plenty of time till you get to the season, but like, what do you think that's going to be like building the chemistry with this team, especially you being like the point guard? Is it an uphill battle or do you feel confident about where it's headed as far as just everybody gelling together, playing together? There's a lot of length as athleticism, positionless players. Like how do you think it all comes together? Yeah, no, I, I think it'll be a lot smoother than what other people think. Yeah. Um, because we're so, we're not a young team. I mean, if you look at it, we got a bunch of veterans. Yeah, we got some freshmen here and there, but we have a bunch of veterans who have played high-level college basketball before. So I think, you know, you bring all those guys together who are trying to win a national championship, and you'll see how, you know, how easy it is to, to kind of gel. Like, guys have played at a high level before. So, you know, I'm very confident in, in us gelling fast. Um, you know, whenever guys... Um, get clear like DeAndre and, you know, guys coming in late or whatever the case may be, I, I'm very confident, like, things going to come together. <clears throat> so you've kind of been on both spectrums of it. Like, you've been on more veteran-laden teams. You've been on teams with younger pieces playing big minutes. Obviously, Brandon Miller and that Alabama team last year, uh, Noah Gurley, and some of the just young pieces that were on that team. You've been a part of a little bit of both of them. What do you think the sense of urgency to win, like, is with an older team? Because you can come in as a freshman saying, yeah, my goal is to win a national championship. But if you know you're not going to the league, you're not a lottery pick, like you know you got time. Yeah. But when you've been there, you've done that, you've seen how hard it is to climb up that hill and be a national championship contender, like how much does it help you guys being a very experienced, very, very veteran-laden team when it comes to like that common goal of winning a national championship? Yeah, like I can speak from experience. You know, I've been to the Sweet 16 twice. I know what it takes to get there. And I want to get past, like, I need to get past it, yeah. you know? And I think, you know, it, that's what a lot of, that's a lot of the older guys' mindsets. Like, especially guys who have played in the NCAA tournament has made it, you know, to a certain certain point. Um, you know, guys understand, you know, you have to get to that point to, re to really understand what it's like, you know what I'm saying? So I think everybody coming together who's played – played in those type of games, it's going to benefit, you know, the program. And it's going to be easier to bring the younger guys along with us. You know what I'm saying? So playing in the backcourt, uh, Caleb Mills, kind of the presumptive starter at the two. What do you think about Caleb and you two kind of running the backcourt together and about his game overall? You know, I like it. I, uh, you know, it's my first time really playing, with, playing against and with Caleb. I never played, never really saw him at all throughout my college career. So... Um, you know, he's he's been looking really good in practice. He's shoot, shooting the ball well. And I think we're going to complement each other really well. I want to go back to something you said about you don't really know what it's like in, until you do it, talking about the Sweet 16, going deeper in the tournament. What is it like? Like, what are those runs like? How do you put those into your own words? You played on some of the best teams in the country, multiple mm -hmm. number one teams. Like, what are those kind of runs like? They're special, number one, because um, it's hard to do. Um I think it's when everybody comes together um, to meet a common goal, that's what makes something like that possible. You know, if you have guys who, are, who aren't putting the team first, that's where things get a little, you know, a little bit tougher. But when everybody comes together, like, I know it sounds cliche. Like, a lot of, a lot of people probably say this, but it's so true. Like, when everybody comes together and puts the team first, Everybody, everybody rises. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're winning, everybody's gonna get recognized, no yeah. matter what. You could be a role player playing 12 minutes a game. If you come in and make an impact, you're gonna be talked about. 
but you got to win. So that's something that Penny's talked about, and I'm sure you've heard him say it already, just about being a team and having a similar mindset and a similar goal. As someone who's a veteran, who's experienced, who's been there, done that, like how do you continue to help build that culture here? I'm just trying to be the best version of myself, Yeah. number one, because, you know, that's how I can kind of bring other guys along with me. Um, I was never really a vocal type of person um, as a basketball player. I was more so like a a lead by example type of guy but mm-hmm. you know as I've um as my career has gone on you know I've learned to I've grown a lot in that area of being vocal and actually talking to guys like I don't really I don't really know most of the players now at Memphis um when I when I got here on Monday but I was still trying to be super vocal in practice you know what I'm saying and that's that's tough for a lot of basketball players I feel like especially young guys coming in it's hard for them to be vocal and that's you know that's an area I feel like I've really grown in and that's an area I needed to grow in and and that I'm trying like really trying to grow in you know what I'm saying so talk to me about what that transition is like like going from the lead by example to a vocal leader because a lot of guys you come in early you're freshman 18 19 years old you got older guys on the roster they're kind of the ones that are the leaders and so you kind of take a back seat and say, I'll lead by example. I'll show that, you know, I work this way or whatever. So when was the transition and how did it kind of happen between, all right, I'm going to go from lead by example to I'm going to be vocal and make sure everybody's kind of in the same in the same path and in the same line? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's definitely been a process. Like, you know, each year I've gotten a lot better in that area. You know, I'm just trying to continually grow. But I think it comes with experience, you know. It comes with you – playing with a veteran team as a young guy in the beginning and then being that older guy on a young team, right. you know, and having a, to coach those guys up and bring those guys along with you. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about last year because I think that team was really fascinating. I know y'all went through some stuff and kind of had some negative headlines around the team, which can't make it any easier. But, like, for you as the experienced guy there, as the point guard there, what was it like kind of leading that team? Because it was a lot of very talented freshmen that were playing a lot of minutes and playing very well. So what was what was your role kind of like on that team? I know y'all did y'all had a, like a perfect mix of like yeah. you and Mark and older guys, but then mm-hmm. you have like Jaden and Brandon and some of these guys. So what was what was kind of your role on and off the floor last year? You felt like um, I think my role changed throughout the year. You know, in the beginning, I was uh, I was like a spark plug off the bench. Um, but, you know, a lot of the young younger guys looked up to me, um, like JB, even Brandon, Noah Clowney, like those guys, because they seen what I did there the previous two, three years. Um, so I was definitely like one of, if not the leader, I was one of the leaders because we had a couple other vets on the squad as well who weren't afraid to talk. So that was kind of my role, really, was, was the leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things got crazy throughout the year, but I was very happy with how well we kept it together. Yeah. You know, um, going into the SEC tournament, I didn't, you know, obviously you want to win it, but with everything I was going, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see it. I'm right. going to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but just the, I mean, Brandon, I was just telling guys today, people keep asking me about Brandon. I'm like, Brandon, he could have shut it down, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, he could have shut it down in the mi- middle of the year, and he still would have went two, right? Right. But he, you know, he 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 thugged it out, and for that, for that, I have tremendous amount of respect for him. You know, and I feel like any other freshman, 
with that um with that height would have said, yeah, I'm just gonna go to the draft. I'm gonna yeah. just go to the draft. Yeah, and you know he stuck it out. So that's that's my guy. But yeah, I, I feel like you know my role was really to be a leader, especially with everything that was going on. You know, what do you see? What do you see for this year? Uh, I, th- I think it's a kind of an interesting dynamic. We've talked about what the team looks like. We've talked about kind of what we expect your minutes and on the floor role like you're expected to be kind of a leader on this team. So overall, though, how do you how do you kind of encompass what what this season looks like for you? Um, me personally, you know, I want to win a national championship. But for me personally, like, you know, I've been through a lot in my college career. Um, I'm coming off uh, a crazy injury. I'm finally starting to feel like 100%. So I feel like this is like my true bounce back year where I find myself. You know, I'm I'm back to 100, and you know, I'm putting I'm doing the things that I I was doing uh, pre-injury before the injury again. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's kind of what I feel like. That's kind of how I feel going into the season. But you know, at the end of the day, as a point guard, you gotta lead, you gotta be vocal, and you know, you gotta. I put myself in a position where I have to, I have to adapt. Yeah. You know, and I knew what I was doing when I made this decision, and I feel like this is what was best for me, so I did it. Let's talk about the journey a little bit because I think it's very interesting, and I think it's a cool story overall. But coming out of high school, five star, you really got blown up by social media. Like in my opinion, probably the first group of basketball players that got pushed by social media, like House of Highlights, Ball is Life, like. They made you guys a massive deal uh, with the Jelly Fam stuff. What was that wave like in in high school? <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Was that your, was it your senior year when it started, or was it were you younger? No, I was younger. I was a sophomore. Sophomore when, when it started? started to like really take off. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a crazy time. It's crazy to think about because I've come so far, and. You know, back then, I don't think any of us were prepared for the fame and everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened so fast. And, you know, we kind of just, it was so many young kids that were looking up to us. You know, we were just trying to do the right thing and and be a good influence to the into the youth. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's wild. You know, people still to this day, you know, you got announcers saying Jelly Fam, Jelly Fam this. And it's just crazy because we really started something that, you know, kind of changed, not changed basketball, but, you know, it's a movement that, how can I say it? It, like... I I think it allowed, like, a jumping-off spot for younger players because you can see, okay, I can get, like, exposure this way or, like, social media is a way for me to to be able to showcase what I can do and stuff like that. It's the first time I saw it, personally. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, like... Yeah, it was it was a crazy time. Like it was it was fun for sure. And then so after that, I just want to walk through a little bit after that. Nova for a year to Bama, now to Memphis. Just kind of briefly, I guess, walk me a little bit through like what it's been like, like what the college career has been like. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny that you asked me this. Like I've been I told you before I've been wanting to get on a podcast for a while and kind of tell my story. Yeah. Um you know, I, Villanova. You know, I'm to be honest with you. I made the wrong the wrong decision. I wanted to go to Arizona to mm-hmm. begin with, um, but that fell through because of the whole, you know, the whole situation with with that. So Villanova was like my second offer, 
and and the coaching staff had a very close relationship with me and my family. Um, Ashley Howard was the assistant at the time when I committed, but he ended up leaving that year. A lot of people don't know this. He ended up leaving and going to LaSalle. Um, so um, it was just tough. I went to a school where I kind of wasn't able to be me, you know? And, you know, this isn't a knock to Villanova because you know, at the end of the day, I still have a lot of friends at Villanova. I still talk to guys that I play with at Villanova. And I still even talk to Jay Wright, like, to this day. So um, just playing for a Hall of Fame coach, Jay Wright, learning so much from him. Even though I wasn't playing, I learned a lot that year. Um, playing under, playing behind guys like Colin Gillespie, Phil Booth, who've won national championships. You know, they kind of taught me um, what a winning culture looks like. And that's, that's how I was introduced to college basketball. And I, I took that with me, you know to Alabama, because when I, when I decided to transfer, you know, Bama was, I think they had made the tournament, like, maybe, they weren't hot. They weren't making the tournament every year. They, yeah. Colin Sexton had taken them one year, um, but, you know, they were, they were down at the time. So a lot of people, like, question mark when I went there, but Nate Oates, I believed in his vision, and he was, he was the first, first coach to call me when I hit the portal. And, you know, I went down there, I saw the campus, and I was like, this is enough. This is, this is where I'm going to go. And I also looked at how he used to let his Buffalo guards play because that's where he coached before. And I was like, if you're going to let me do this, I, I'm going to excel. And, you know, we just, man, we grinded. You know, first year they deemed me ineligible. Yep. Um, you know, at the time, I think they were handing, they were handing waivers out like, like they were candy. So I thought I was going to get the waiver when I decided to transfer. But I ended up not getting it, and I had to sit. Um, and, you know, that was tough because I just, you know, I, I wasn't playing at Nova, so everybody thought, you know, I, was a, you know I, I wasn't living up to the expectations. And then, you know, I made, I made the jump, and then they deemed me ineligible. So I had to wait a whole other year to show everybody that, you know, this, is, this, this isn't a fluke. Like, I'm really, you know, what, I'm, 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 I'm as good as advertised. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... Um, my first year at playing at BAM after the retro year, I hadn't played basketball in like a year and a half, like live basketball. So it took me some time to get comfortable again playing live. And, you know, we started the year out slow, but towards the end of the year, you know, the team really came together. We had John Petty, Herb Jones, um, Jordan Bruner from Yale. We had a really talented team and guys, a veteran team as well, and guys really bought in. And, you know, we, we ended up winning double SEC championship that year, going to the Sweet 16, losing a tough game to UCLA. And then, um, you know, I was thinking about testing the waters that year, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of do one more, the team kind of be my team. You know what I'm saying? And... You know, that following year, I ended up tearing my ACL in, in an NCAA tournament game three minutes into the game. And that was that was the year I was going for sure, you know, into the draft. And a lot of people don't know that. But I was I was ready that year, you know. Yeah. So I tear my ACL, and I'm like, do I go pro with a torn ACL? Like, once I found out I was probably going to have to fund my rehab process, I was like, maybe I should just go back to school, get healthy, 
do one more. And um, that's what I did. You know, I got healthy. We brought in Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney. Very talented. Noah Clowney, too, is yeah. super talented. Bright kid. 18 years old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, we brought in great, re great recruiting class, and, you know, we were able to go on another run. And, um, you know, I'm just... At the end of the day, I'm grateful for the experiences that, I, that I've went through because it's made me who I am. And, um, you know, also a lot of people who've, who, who would have gone through this, they wouldn't have made themselves relevant again. You know, right. I've kind of made myself relevant. Every time I fell, I've Got back been up. able to, to make myself relevant again. And, you know, you don't really see that. So No, it's, it's tough. I'm, like you were saying, like I'm sure a lot of people like – once you didn't play at Nova, we're like, still yeah, I was ain't written got off. It. I've been yeah. written off like two, three times now, and it's cool because I already I see the end goal already. Yeah. I, I see it; it's there. Um, I, I feel like I've earned my opportunity, and that's all I need is the opportunity, and it's gonna come. But until then, you know, I'm trying to get a national championship. Yeah, it's a good mindset to have. Um, something I want to talk to you about because I think you have an interesting perspective on this someone who's been in the non-NIL college basketball and in the current yeah, NIL college basketball. Um, how much has it changed behind the scenes? You don't have to go into specifics. Definitely not asking for specifics on anything, but, like, how much has stuff changed being recruited? Like, now you've been recruited as a high school guy multiple times in college after mm -hmm. transferring twice. How much has this changed the landscape as a player? No, it's changed a lot. But as a player, you know, it's, it's helped the players. For sure. It's helped the players. Like, I wish NIL was around when Jellyfin was around. Because to be honest with you, and I say this humbly, I'd probably be a millionaire right now. Probably. You're probably right. Um, but I just, I'm, ha I'm happy to see guys get paid. Especially, like, young guys coming in from high school who have a big following. Like, they earned that. Yeah. You know? And I, for me, it's, for the college, it's changed a lot. It's changed the whole dynamic. The whole way you recruit but for the players it's like i feel like we've earned this and for me personally I, i'm just trying to take advantage of it um the best i can because i know so many guys before me weren't able to take advantage right. of it, you know and I, they probably looking back now like like wow if i would have stayed in school i'd have probably made a lot more money right you know so you think there are a lot of guys like that that maybe you know didn't have a professional career or played overseas I where they for certain for sure yeah, yeah for, for certain for sure um, and that must be tough. I'm sure. Know? Yeah, looking back and saying like I could have stayed. You were an All-American in college in 2010, and you looking back now like, wow, if I would have had that year just 13 years later, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be making, you know, X amount of dollars. Right. Even people like Zion, who ultimately went to, I mean, he's he's doing fine right yeah, now. He's like, he's straight, fine. but, yeah, like, I know what you're getting dude would have been a millionaire in college, mm -hmm. hands down, like, no doubt, was the most marketable player in college basketball. So yeah. it's... It is crazy how it's changed. I think it's I think it's definitely for the good because mm -hmm. I've heard many horror horror stories of you know dudes just struggling. Yeah. Like maybe not necessarily at this level. Some at the, I've heard some at this level, but like there's dudes that really ain't eating like that. Like I've no, heard that before. Yeah, let me touch on that. My um my freshman year, actually my first two years in college when there was no nil, like it was times. My stipend was not getting me through the month. Yeah. You know, like I was, you know, last last couple of days, I'm I'm having to order the 
Domino's for like the last five days with my dining dollars, like back to back to back for dinner. Like, you know, now guys, you know, freshmen coming in with new cars and, you know, it's honestly, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I think, you know, guys aren't guys earned that. And and to be honest, you got to give credit to everybody who's come before us, you know, because they kind of paved the, they the reason that, you know, NIO is, is a thing. I think this may be obvious, but to some it, it may not be. How important is it to have the right people telling you how to handle those assets as an 18, 19-year-old kid? I know you're doing it now as a little bit older, but, like, you know what it's like. So I can see situations where these kids coming in and they're blowing it, and then yeah. they got nothing, and then they're struggling again. Like, oh, I can't eat. Like, I got to go try to find an NIL deal because <laughs> I, I can't eat that at the end of this month. Like, yeah, Nah, that's a good question right here. So, yeah, so how important is it, like, you got to have someone to help you and teach you, like, yeah, you might have just gotten 150K, but, like, if you're going and buying cars and, like, you're going out to these nice restaurants, like, that's going to go quick. Yeah, that 100 will go very fast if yeah. you don't manage it the right way. Um, it's, <laughs> it's um, I feel like it's, it's, it's essential. And it's cool, NIL now, it allows, um, you know, these young guys to learn about it before, they even get to college. I'm pretty sure there's high school programs now who is, who are teaching. They know that when, when these kids are going to get to school, they're going to be getting deals here and there, and they're kind of, you know, giving them a blueprint because if you don't manage your money, like, it can really go like that, and I'm sure you know. Um, and yeah. Then, and then if you become irrelevant as a player, then it's gone. Like, that was it. Like, yeah, that, that was, was your, it for you. That's, like, that's all you had. And you and you, you wasted it. It's extremely important, but I'm glad because a lot of guys don't learn these type of things until it's too late. Until oh, yeah. they get to the NBA and you know they 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 sign their rookie deal and they don't they don't get to that second contract. And yeah. now, you know, they having to live off what they or they already blew it. They, it's gone. Know? It's yeah. gone. So it's 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 given us an opportunity to learn about learn life earlier, you know. Yeah. And I think that's beneficial. Yeah. No, I, I figured you'd have a cool perspective on yeah. that because you've seen it from both sides and been in a situation where you could have made a lot of money if, mm. if it would have been uh, different at that time. So uh, I think we're going to wrap up there, man. I appreciate you uh, for joining us. I pre appreciate everybody for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. If you're listening, uh, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. JQ, I appreciate it, man, and good luck this year. I appreciate you for having me, man. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Cool. Get out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode of One on One. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to the Bluff City Media YouTube page. We will see you back here next time.